0: Hello, this is Tapeheads, '80s music and beyond. I am Todd over here. That's Blaine over there. How's it going? Welcome, everybody. Yeah, welcome back to another episode.
1: Hope you listened to our last episode about New Edition. Tonight, we're going to talk about something completely different. But before <laughs> we get started, I wanted to talk about something. Um, oh, cool! All somebody right. on my top ten list, Billy Joel, put out a new song. Here's the dawn. The home we build.
0: when did this come out cuz uh, i didn't realize that
1: uh last week or earlier this week or something like that
0: and i missed that and maybe you love me maybe you don't maybe you learn to and maybe you
1: Billy Joel has not put out a new song that he wrote in 31 years or something like that I'm not sure exactly when the la- his last album came out, which was River of Dreams, which I thought was a great album. It was a great
0: album. still is. It still exists. <laughs> yes.
1: But after that, Billy Joel continued to tour, but never put out any new songs. He actually did one new song, but it was not a song he wrote. Hmm. But other than that, he did not do that until last week. And this wow. new song is called Turn the Lights Back On, and it's kind of weird. It's him talking to the world about how he is kind of hopes that everyone will take him back as a songwriter again, as he's not done it for a long time. And it's written like a love song. My friend, who just uh, had a marriage breakup, he listened to the oh, song. And he told me, yeah, it hits it's a little bit too much. To home to me um you know the subject matter and i went and looked at it, and I was like yeah you know you listen to that song it does sound like a love song it sounds like somebody who is in a relationship and things aren't going that great and he hopes he can turn things around i'm late but i'm here right now billy joel is one of the greatest songwriters in the world just the way he writes his lyrics then also his music is absolutely incredible. But in the Billy Joel fashion here he wrote a song that he's talking about kind of returning into songwriting. Yet if you listen to the lyrics or read the lyrics, it sounds like it's a some kind of a love song. As we in the darkness Did I wait too long to turn the lights back on But he did the river of dreams album and it did not fare as well as he thought it would have done and so he's kind of given up on songwriting and he puts himself he says on a pedestal and things don't go his way and he just beats himself up over it but i thought river of dreams to me i thought was his best album he'd ever done i love that album you know, and people have probably told him this that the music industry was changing. This was ninety three. This is when Nirvana was was popular. No one wanted to listen to Billy Joel except for his his
0: fans. Except for you us. Know? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah, we've we've certainly talked about that before, and we're actually gonna talk about it again tonight because it's gonna affect the person we're talking about.
1: Yeah, so I mean, you know, music changes and you know, if he would have put out an album now, you know, just like the Eagles have done, it probably would do pretty good. It's not gonna probably chart because it's not uh, Dula Lipa, or whatever the heck her name is, you know, that are, it's going to chart. It's just, it's not that way. The music industry has changed. But I'm glad to see him back and I love his new song. He played it on the Grammys.
0: I wonder why he's so hard on himself. I don't like, know. He'd been doing it already for 20 years. You know, Paul McCartney isn't hard on himself. You know, he's still doing it. Right, maybe he should be <laughs> more hard on yeah, himself. Yeah, <laughs> and Billy Joel, he's he's
1: he's lost, you know, a few notes in his in his voice.
0: I mean, we all have.
1: Yeah, and when you get older, that happens. But uh, he played this song on the Grammy Awards the other night, and before, in one of the interviews, he talked about that possibly he was doing a new album. So, yeah, I hope he does because I love Billy Joel. all right what are we talking about tonight
0: tonight we are talking about our first one hit wonder i think okay i think it's our first one uh, her name is jane child and i love her always have. Like do you know her were you familiar with her before this
1: uh, i knew the song mm-hmm. okay because it was a popular song was. but uh, really surprised me that you wanted to do do a show on her so yeah cool of course i didn't i don't know much about her at all yeah and maybe there's not a lot out about her because she had a very short
0: career on the charts she is a little bit of a mystery because she was like i said a one-hit wonder huge hit 1989 she had her second album out in 93 and then she kind of disappeared because like i said music had changed and nobody's wanting to hear this kind of glittery pop anymore so, and then she kind of went behind the scenes, and then she had a family, she got married, and so she's just kind of been... it's, it's a little hard to find. She's a little bit of an enigma, but let's see what we got. Let's see what we found.
1: What's cool about her and what's completely different than other pop stars now or even at the time is she played all of the instruments on the album except for the guitars yes meaning she programmed the drum machines unless she was playing drums i don't know i don't think so she played tons of synths and i actually love the way she takes synths and paints a picture with them i think she does an incredible job at that
0: well she's an amazing player she grew up playing piano and I think violin, too, as a kid. So she's very familiar with classical music, and she really knows how to play. And she comes from that background. Right. So she also claims that she never had any friends when she was growing up. So she just (laughs) would spend all her time playing music and woodshedding. So yeah, she was ready.
1: So she, when she was younger, was doing jingles at a recording studio. And I don't know if maybe she was building up time kind of like you used to do when you did um, studio work for people and built up recording studio time so you could record your own stuff. I don't know if that happened here, but she would take the bus to the recording studio and she worked on her demo tapes at this recording studio where she had done her jingles. She did a demo of a song and sent it off to Maurice White, who you talked about last (laughs) week.
0: From uh, from Earth, Wind and Earth, Fire. Wind and Fire. <laughs> yeah.
1: So she sent a song to him, and although he liked it, he did not do the song. But uh, Maurice White, there you go.
0: Oh, how funny!
1: So eventually, she uh, recorded an album in '89, and in this album, she recorded all vocals and all instruments. I mean, that is completely out of the realm of something like Britney Spears
0: yeah doesn't play anything doesn't
1: do anything doesn't write the songs i don't know maybe she helps write the songs I don't but think she just so. walks into the studio everything's all done for her there may even be guide vocals on the on the track she's supposed to sing with i know they did that on uh, Paula Abdul when she did her album but d- just does nothing you know just to come in and just sing over some songs it's almost like almost like some of these artists just do karaoke album and that's it (laughs) but but this is not the way jane child did it she actually recorded every single thing which means the album probably took a lot of time because they didn't have studio musicians to come in and do stuff she built everything she painted the whole picture of a song with her synthesizers
0: who knows? Like sometimes you can get lost in kind of a quagmire of trying out synth sounds or whatever, but sometimes you can also put it together really fast. And if you're kind of like a control freak like she is, you know, you can kind of burn through songs. So it may not have taken her very long, but she was she was a super control freak.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't there, and there's I didn't I didn't find much on the way she records. But one of the things that I wanted to say about her, because I've listened to some of her stuff, is. To me, she doesn't sound like a very good hook writer for like maybe the melodies Mm -hmm. and the lyrics, but her songs sound awesome. It's almost like she should have had somebody come in to write some of the lyrics, and, or maybe not the lyrics, but the the melody for her to help her with these songs, because I think I would have liked them a lot better. It just seems like a lot of these songs don't have good hooks,
0: Mm -hmm. and that
1: may have been her downfall.
0: Yeah, especially on the second album. The first album, I I love a lot of the songs on there, but yeah, I see what you're saying. But yeah, the second album, I find it's a lot more, it's like she could have gone two directions. She could have done the hook direction, or she could have gone down her sort of meandering direction, and she chose the meandering direction.
1: So the first song, the big hit, was Don't Want to Fall in Love. I love it. And when you watch the video, and although she had recorded these in LA, she wanted to shoot the video in New York because that's where she wrote the song. And what do you see on the video
0: at the very (laughs) beginning when she's on there? Yes, a fair light. (laughs) A fair light. And she used it on the album too. (laughs) You can hear it. Yeah, she's on there
1: slamming chords and messing with the modulation on that in the in the video. Absolutely.
0: It's kinda funny. when i chose to do this song i was like listening to it and i listened to the album the cd and i was like oh i'm pretty sure that's a fair light so i looked it up sure enough it's Fairlight. but then to have it in the video too is just like a nice little bonus
1: <laughs> so this came out in 89 this yeah. is the year i graduated from high school i'm not sure exactly when it came out in that year i don't remember people talking about her but i do remember it being a hit
0: it came out in the end of 89 okay she actually released a song before this called welcome to the real world kind of didn't really take off and then this was her second single off that and that came out i think in okay early, either end of 89 or beginning of 90 it was instantly huge and i remember it and people were freaking out because she has such a distinctive look not only was the song amazing but she has a very distinctive look about her her hair is very spiky on top and really she has really long braids in the back almost down to the floor
1: and then she has a nose ring with a chain to her ear yeah a,
0: a chain between her ear and her nose So yeah, she had a very kind of somewhere between punk rock and hip hop look about her. Nobody else was doing that. (laughs) So she got a lot of attention.
1: I didn't have this album i didn't have this single
0: or the cd (laughs)
1: single of this um but you know i did hear it on the radio and did like the song and never really ever thought about it you know this is not something that you hear on the radio much even now
0: i hear it occasionally it's also on a lot of people's favorite one hit wonders of the 80s compilations and stuff rick Beatos mentioned it other people have mentioned it and it's it's always kind of just under the surface. It's always floating around, just under the surface. But it's always there. Great song. Love. Love like we haven't done this in a while. I was going to bust out a little music theory on you guys and play the piano, because there is something about this song that is very smart in, in the composition of it. Um, and it's it's kind of the harmonic structure. And she doesn't go in ways that most people are going to go. This song's in F major doesn't start on an F, but it starts on a D-flat. So she's setting that up, and it goes through that a couple times. And then she comes to the fourth time. Most people are going to start the vocals there. She does a little exposition kind of thing, sets it up a little bit. Does a little Beethoven kind of move, where she's just kind of setting us up. She ends on a G-flat. And then so she's taking her melody from there but the bass line is the cool part on that most people would not go that that direction they would start with uh... so she has her kind of contrary motion kind of thing going which is very sophisticated and very cool You can tell that she has. She comes from a classical background and has studied much more than most pop singers have. Or maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe that was just an accident, but I don't think so. I think she's smarter than that. And I think uh, maybe now that you uh, hear this, you maybe you'll think about it in a different way because it's just a brilliant little touch that most people don't have. That's cool.
1: I um, listened to a bunch of her songs, and two of the songs that really stood out to me and it's more so the music part of it because Mm -hmm. the like i said the lyrics and the melody of the singing didn't really hit me but um from the album surge i love the song you bluebird And then the other one is from, there is actually a remix of the album Surge and the song called Lutesville, the Kitching mix. I really love that song too. And it's really cool because they use like the, the mini Moog bass stuff like they used to use in the 70s yeah. on those songs. It just sounds awesome. But then again, the lyrics never popped out at me. And so they, they, they aren't that catchy in the songs, but the, the way the song sounds is catchy. It sounds awesome.
0: I remember back in the day when I first got this CD, I remember telling my brother about this album. And I told her, like, man, I, I really love this album. And you might be surprised to know that I like it as much as I do, because it's not my usual thing, because I was still a rocker, you know? And I still am. But <laughs> so I told, I remember telling my brother, I said, yeah, there's like, This spiritual component that is not something I'm used to. And it's like there's this theme throughout the album. It's kind of like, you and I are one, and we're like goddesses. And my brother says, what? (laughs) What are you talking about? That doesn't make any sense. And it's not that that's wrong, but it's just like (laughs) the dumbest description of anything. So I just didn't really, I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing her justice. But there is that component to this album. (laughs)
1: so then he went ahead and just listened to poison anyway yeah and striper
0: (laughs) and nirvana's pretty cool but i'd rather listen to striper said my brother
1: you know i think uh pretty cool and Jane, if you're listening to this by any chance, I'd just like to say that I think you do an awesome job taking synthesizers and putting them all together as a picture. In the way that I think that is done with Tears for Fears, I think they do the same kind of thing. It just sounds awesome.
0: Absolutely. She's a fan of theirs. And the research for this was so frustrating because there's just not very much out there. And there's like a few little short interviews that are like a minute long of her on the radio that aren't very illuminating. A couple people did like biographies of her. And like, there's not. It doesn't seem to be a lot there. She's just been behind the scenes. But somebody mentioned in one of their biographies of her that she played with Aerosmith, she played with Tears for Fears, and she played with David Bowie. And I'm like, oh man, I want to hear this. Couldn't find any of it. Talked about her doing jingles. Oh, I'd love to find some of those. No, couldn't find. I don't know how to find those. It's just like, man, I want to hear some of these things she's been doing. And, you know, it's just kind of maddening. (laughs) I want to hear, especially like Tears for Fears. I'd love to hear that.
1: Yeah, not a lot of stuff can you find from her, and it's it's kind of too bad, because, you know, she was playing piano when she was 13 years old, and, you know, to think that, uh, you know, she wanted to make a a career of it, and it just didn't pan out for her, and she eventually oh, it did. married and started a family. I would say
0: it did work. Well, and
1: I'm sure it did, you know, and I, I, I would say most people don't get a,
0: a, a hit, you know. That's for sure. It seems as though she's kind of done the Rick Astley thing, where she had this huge success, and she still makes money from that song. She still plays live occasionally, like a TV show here and there. The guy she's married to is a keyboard player on a TV game show.
1: Yeah, he's the music director for Let's Make a Deal.
0: Oh, right, right, right. I was, trying, I was thinking it was like an old-time show that was got a reboot. So that's who she's married to. So they have plenty of money. But when she got her record deal, she bought this cool old house up in the Hollywood Hills. Oh, yeah. She also started collecting Citroen cars. I found an interview with her on like Citroen Car Club Magazine or whatever, .com. <laughs> this guy interviewed her. He's like, what? There's this Canadian chick singer who collects Citroens. I got to interview her. So yeah, that's out there too. So
1: was there, was she on video? No. Does she still have her hair like that and the nose ring? Or? Back
0: then she did. No, she doesn't. She still has her long braids, but she doesn't do the chain and she doesn't have the spiky hair, but she does still have long braids. At least she did in the last video I saw, which was from like... Two thousand nine, ten.
1: yeah sometimes you can't just afford to have the um, hair goop anymore it costs a lot of money for that actually sometimes i remember in the 80s people used to do it with uh, eggs oh remember really? that no <laughs> yeah i think they did egg whites and they would use that for hair gel oh wow i guess it worked better Force,
0: down your hair. I seem to remember that being like a 1950s thing I didn't remember it from the 80s I remember Manic Panic being a thing And of course Aquanet Yes I actually follow Jane Child on Twitter I forgot about that I looked her up just to see what happened And I was like, oh, yeah, I follow her
1: Let her know that we did this show And maybe she'll want to take a listen
0: She has four tweets <laughs> the first one of which was like, oh, I just signed up for Twitter. And then there's another one. And then the third one is, well, I wonder why my friend signed me up for this. So I don't know what to do. And then there's one more about, oh, just I ate some delicious food and whatever. Like, okay, that's it. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Never took hold of the Twitter thing. Interesting. Maybe she will uh, want to listen to this because this episode is coming out on February 15th and her birthday is February 15th. So that's pretty cool.
1: Well, there you go. Send her a note.
0: Happy birthday, Jane.
1: last time we said that we were going to watch a show we were going to watch four episodes of a show and it's maybe a show that you guys remember when you your kids but certainly is not a big show in the the pantheon of 80s classics <laughs> and what is that show we're talking about
0: that would be a little show called bj and the bear B.J. and the Bear,
1: B.J. McKay, who would take anything, anywhere for
0: $1. fifty a mile. As long as it wasn't illegal. <laughs> as, yeah, that's right. As long as it wasn't illegal.
1: <laughs> and you know what's funny? So that was back in like
0: uh, 81, is that correct? 79 to 81, yeah.
1: Okay. So that would be, in today's money, that would be $4.14 a mile. But <laughs> I guess and you could ask your mom this, she would probably know the answer to this because your mom worked for a trucking company, she a did. shipping company. Yeah. But uh, that's actually the today's truckers charge 230 to 286 a mile. So he was expensive. Yeah. 414. That's hilarious.
0: New dreams and better scenes. Best of all, I don't pay per-
1: so, BJ and the Bear was a show about a trucker, and he had a pet monkey. I mean, who would have wrote this? Who would have thought of it's this? A chimp, pet chimp. Yeah, sorry, and monkey chimp. They're always monkeys to me. He would drive around in his beautiful red truck, and oh, and by the way, he was a ex Vietnam vet. Yes,
0: he was. And I think he was a POW. Is that correct? I don't remember that. I don't, Okay. In the, in the episodes that we saw. Oh yes, I guess he was, because he mentioned getting roughed up.
1: Okay, yeah. And anyway, he drives around in this beautiful red truck. I don't remember what it is. Seemed like it was a Kenworth
0: or something. Kenworth. Okay. 1973 Kenworth.
1: <laughs> he would fight crime or help people in need, and or fight against uh, bad lawmen, at least in the first season. Yeah.
0: And hook up with hot chicks in every single episode.
1: Oh, yes, Always Hot Chicks. And I remember Stax as a kid, and she was not in any of these episodes that we watched.
0: No, she wasn't. Yeah, I remembered her, too.
1: We watched four from the first season.
0: For those of you keeping track at home, we watched episodes one, four, six, and ten. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and and two of them, it might have been even three of them, all had Sheriff Lobo. Is
0: that two, three of them? Uh, had Sheriff yes, Lobo yes. in it? Yes. Well, actually, all four, if you count... Oh, I guess that one didn't. I don't
1: uh, think he was not
0: in that one. He was not in But
1: Sheriff Lobo and Perkins. Favorite. Gotta love Perkins. What's his name? The real name, his name? Mills Watson.
0: (laughs) We haven't talked about him on the show, but we've talked about him just with each other because in the communion episode, we talked about the show Project UFO. It was my favorite show when I was a little kid. I've actually been watching a couple episodes of that, and Mills Watson was on an episode of Project UFO. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a deep cut.
1: So in this first episode, there's a woman who helps Lobo catch BJ by making him go back to, what's the name of that county? Orley County.
0: Orley County, where Sheriff Lobo. I looked up Orley County, and it doesn't exist except in this show. Oh, yeah. I knew that. Okay. I didn't realize that. Yeah, It's yeah. kind of hard to tell where this place is set. It seems like it's Georgia or somewhere. It does. Play, but
1: yes. That is supposed to be Georgia. They yes. didn't
0: say, I don't think. They don't explicitly say.
1: So she tricks BJ in going back to Orly County, and and then when he gets into the county, Sheriff Lobo starts going after him and arrests him, and then she breaks him out of the jail by ripping the the bars out of the jail by
0: using his truck to pull him out. Yeah, Lobo arrested him because he was running moonshine, but Lobo planted the moonshine in the back of his truck, so that's why he was arrested. So, yeah, it was all Lobo's doing. Look here. Well, well maybe you ain't acquainted
1: with the laws of this state boy but it happens to be illegal to haul white lightning
0: hey, that truck was empty i just dropped off a load of cantaloupes this morning what do you take me for boy some kind of a fool come on up against the truck and spread them
1: so did you notice who was in that who was in the jail with them
0: no no,
1: I didn't. No, because you didn't watch Chips as much as I did. But <laughs> Randy Oaks, who played oh Officer Bonnie Clark, was in the jail with them and comes out with them. Which one was he? She, Bonnie Clark. Oh, okay.
0: Oh, I thought you said Robbie. She Robbie was the Clark. blonde. Well, there was two blondes. The one's the chicks from New York? Yes, yes. Which one? There was two Two of them, anyway.
1: Yeah, the one with the straight hair. The one from Chips. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so what I thought was funny about this is Lobo tells Perkins that he's taking Perkins' car home tonight because he wants his waxed and shined by the morning. Oh, right. Who does he think he is to tell him as he's going home at 5 or 6 o'clock at night, hey, I want my car waxed and shined by the morning,
0: and then goes home? Lobo, that's who. He's not the nicest person, that guy.
1: No. Well, he is by the end of the season. No, oh, I don't remember that. You know what's kind of funny? They they this This show was almost like a... Movie, you know, they would use music videos Well, I shouldn't say music videos But music montages And they used popular the songs Yeah, but not from the popular artists They were all done by studio musicians Oh, okay So like there was a Billy Joel song in the in the first episode and Two more Billy Joel songs in the second episode Not sung by yeah, him
0: Jackson Brown Yeah,
1: there was a Jackson Brown song So in the second episode, it's funny you see him drive over the Bixby Bridge near in California, in Big Surrey, right? Three times,
0: <laughs> three times.
1: This episode, this is episode number two. Bothered that crap out of me because they're supposed to be driving up the East Coast, yet you see him going south with the ocean on his truck, and then north, and then south again, and then north, and. He picks up some woman who's got uh, some biological weapon in her purse. Yeah.
0: You know, here's the thing. We also have to talk about the guy who wrote this show. Glenn A. Larson is the name of the the author. Okay, yeah. He's really swinging for the fences on this one. Because here's the premise of this episode, the, the second episode we watched. Woman is working at a research facility for a pharmaceutical company. Discovers that they are making a biological weapon. She finds out about it. And they're under investigation in the Senate for this. And, you know, she's going to steal the sample and take it to the Senate and show them the proof. She's a whistleblower and the hijinks ensue. This sounds like a John Grisham story. I mean, it's like, wow, this is this is a primetime TV show. But the funny twist about it is it's like the trucker is the only one who can help and his, and his chimp are the only ones who can get him there. Yeah. And it's like just a bizarre. She's got to
1: get to Washington, D.C. And she leaves it in the thing. So, leaves it in a cop car because the chimp... Took them into the cop car, stole her purse, and right? Dragged into, the and, and, car. And so it's stuck there. So he's got to go and, and break into the cop car on a Sunday. And when he steals a cop car, they shoot at him for stealing a cop car. They're shooting at him, and he's just driving around in this
0: uh, parking lot forever. In the parking lot of the police station, he's just like yes, burning and they wreck like ten cars. They wrecked so many cars in there. <laughs> you
1: crazy? Want to see a police car? I didn't have much choice. And then he goes, "Okay, we got ten miles to go to get Washington D.C." Oh man, so funny! Oh, it's just crazy.
0: They wreck the cars in the funniest ways. It's like BJ will tie the wheels of the, the axle of a car to a rock or something, oh, and, I then, know. and then when they try to drive away, it pulls the whole axle out of the car. Or the roof gets pulled off because the cops are chasing BJ and the drives under the bridge or under his truck. So by the time Perkins and Lobo are chasing them, there's like, there's no hood, there's no doors, there's no window. The tires are flat. It's just like the craziest ways to pull apart cars. And that happens on almost every episode. Like all these huge chases and just, oh my God.
1: In, in episode six that we watched, I laughed at this. Uh, Lobo tells Perkins to go find BJ. And so he goes right to a hotel where BJ's staying and tells the clerk he's undercover police officer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but what's funny is how many hotels in the U.S. are near highways?
0: Uh, yeah, a lot.
1: <laughs> and there's there's 4.17 million miles of highways in the U.S. Wow. And Perkins found him.
0: <laughs> hey, man, you can't argue with success. <laughs> no, I know.
1: Also in this episode, for my money, you cannot lose with the ratings when perkins is dressed in drag i tell you i'm a cop sure lady just keep those hands up
0: a couple things about greg evigan who is bj okay Uh uh-huh greg evigan was a professional singer on broadway and was in greece and jesus christ superstar before this really yeah yeah so a lot of times in the show, he'll be singing. They'll show him singing, and he's actually singing. And Certainly, he sings the theme song. Correct. I remember thinking that was one of the cool things about Greg Evigan. He's just like, oh, wow, he's really singing his songs in the show. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Strumming a guitar. Yeah, he really was singing. Places new and BJ McKay, and this is my best friend there. Not only did he sing and stuff, they also taught him how to drive a truck. So a lot of the scenes are actually him driving. I mean, I'm sure some of the stunt stuff is not, but just the sort of day-in, day-out stuff of him driving around, picking up women and whatever. Yeah, that's him actually driving the truck.
1: I bet it was not him driving south on the coast and then north on the coast or driving <laughs> over the bridge three 400 times. 400
0: times while they filmed it, yeah.
1: So the last <laughs> episode we watched, episode 10, was kind of like a pilot for the Sheriff Lobo show. hmm So I don't know if you noticed, it had a lot of Lobo and Perkins. Yeah, almost no BJ at all. Yeah, no BJ in it at all. And that's the one where the next season they had Lobo. He had his own show. And I think, um, if I remember correctly, BJ and the Bear has never been released on DVD. So any shows of this that you watch, it's taken from somebody's VHS copy. So not the greatest
0: Well, there's your million-dollar idea for the day. You need to get the rights and then release it on DVD. There needs to be a Blu-ray.
1: I just got uh, the HD versions of Gilgan's Island, so I'm...
0: Oh, dear God. ...starting to watch that, (laughs) and
1: uh, it's just kind of funny to watch it because I know that it was shot on a set, you know, and they had built a a lagoon and all the trees and everything. It's just kind of funny because when you're watching it on a 19 inch TV, that's in standard (laughs) definition, you can't see all that stuff. But when I'm watching it now, you can see the backdrop. This just this light blue, you know where there's supposed to be sky and stuff, and it's obviously <laughs> just a painting. Sometimes you can see buildings in the background. That's obviously the um, the San Fernando Valley of of L A. Oh, funny! Um, it's just kind of funny. So I'm just I'm watching those over. Just kind oh, of that's that. great. It's something you never saw, but of course they shot it on film, so you can make an HD version of it. Yes, <laughs> and I'm sure Bj and the Bear was shot on film. Cause oh, it
0: totally looks like it.
1: Almost all of it's outside. So,
0: you mentioned the music it's all studio musicians i actually think about that a lot when i'm watching these old shows because the music is all you know orchestral they'll have a small orchestra or a little combination of orchestra and rock band and they're all like playing the bass and the little wah-wah guitar and the little the triangle but it's all real instruments all musicians union paid a bunch of money to record all these things like you just don't see that now people hardly make a living at all Every time I watch these old shows, I'm like, man, they spent a bunch of money just on the music. Yeah, they did. It's amazing. Wish I could have been a studio musician back then
1: in L.A. I wish I could have been a triangle player for most crime
0: shows. Yeah.
1: Or that instrument that goes... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever that's called.
0: Yeah, those are all over this show. I wish I could have been a truck driver in 1979. <laughs> you told me when you were looking up uh, episodes for this, you just went to Google and typed in BJ and the Bear and just got page after page after page of gay porn. <laughs> Because of course you would. Just do an innocent search for this little dumb show. No, nothing but gay porn. Gay porn. And explain in detail what you found. Feel free to tell us what you found.
1: No, that's okay. <laughs> I don't think I found anything. It's just kind of like what showed up.
0: <laughs> so you had to watch that for a couple or three hours. I
1: certainly didn't click on anything. That's funny. Anyway, so it was fun to watch BJ and the Bear because I loved it as a kid. But uh, Same here. It certainly does not stand up. It's not like there's something where I want to watch the the rest of them i don't i don't care
0: i had the same feeling like it was fun to watch but it's a dumb show <laughs>
1: yeah it's not like chips where i wanted to watch all six seasons <laughs> oh, man. and i told you the other day i want to watch it again oh gosh it's entertaining you got ponch you got john you got bonnie you got that other girl with the short bob brown hair you got bear and then you got uh, the guy from star trek
0: which guy from star trek Worf. Oh, yeah, Michael Dorn. Michael Dorn
1: was in Chips. <laughs> oh god. For years.
0: Wow. Minus <laughs> the forehead ridge. All right, let's talk about the uh, show's creator, Glenn A Larson. Do you know what other shows he produced and wrote?
1: I mean, he he did a lot of them, like Riptide yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Simon and Simon, maybe.
0: Yeah. Magnum P.I. Battlestar Galactica, which we both loved. Knight Rider. Mm-hmm. Fall Guy. I don't remember Fall Guy.
1: Oh, but- Fall Guy's with... Uh, um, Gosh, what's his name? Where he plays the stuntman.
0: Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it yeah. had
1: Heather Thomas in it. <laughs> I don't remember any of that. You don't remember Heather Thomas? No, I
0: remember Heather Thomas, but I don't remember her being on oh, the
1: show. okay. I wouldn't have known. Lee Majors. Yes,
0: yes, name. yes, yes, yes. I could picture him. I just couldn't think of his name. Six Million Dollar Man, right? Three and he million?
1: also, it's him singing the song at the beginning. Uh, no Something way. like, I'm the famous stuntman that made, <laughs> uh, or I'm, no, I'm the stuntman that made Who's Burt
0: Reynolds? Looks so good, or something like that. Man, I haven't seen that in way too long.
1: Well, you know that I watched the uh, 80s theme songs thing the other night when I was oh, in yeah, Utah yeah. on a trip. So, yeah.
0: That's cool. So, yeah, and in addition to all those, he wrote BJ and the Bear and the Misadventures of Sheriff Lobo. <laughs> Must have been a rich man. Oh, for sure. He was doing BJ and Lobo at the same time. He was working on Battlestar Galactica. Busy guy.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: And that was a major production. That was not a cheap, crappy little show. He
1: must have done A Team then.
0: I no. I think that was Stephen J. Cannell.
1: Okay, maybe I you're right. I think so. Because I noticed on the beginning of the A-Team, the guy who plays Man was also in Battlestar Galactica. Yes, Dirk Benedict. And at the beginning of that, he looks at a guy who's Battlestar Galactica, Cylon Warrior, walks by, and he looks at it kind of weird and then looks at the camera. It's kind of funny. You'll have to check that out. Well, Jane Child. Go check out her songs. She's got some good stuff. So check her out. Definitely. And, um, and happy
0: birthday, Jane.
1: Okay, thank you for listening this week, and we hope you have a good time. Check out some of our other shows. We've got how many episodes? 27, something like
0: this that? This one's
1: 31. Oh, 31. Yeah. We've got a lot of shows out there. Some of the bands you like, and take a listen. We also got some stuff on the hard rock stuff that happened in the, in the 80s, and we've got an episode on power ballads and then i think two episodes on what are you laughing about
0: i'm laughing because i love that episode there are, there are a couple episodes that i really love that have i think kind of slipped under people's radar uh because they're not sure about them but two of my favorite ones that i really want to mention like go listen to our one on winger that one's great and <laughs> it's super funny and people just think oh winger i don't remember them but great show and also the rembrandts yeah who did the friends theme song So you think you don't know them, but I mean, they have one of the biggest songs of all time. And both of those episodes are really, really fun.
1: Go to TapeHeadsPod.com. 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 And you will see all about us. I guess there's not that much about us. We should probably (laughs) put some stuff in there.
0: We probably should.
1: But they have all of our episodes on there. You can also get us on Spotify. You can get us on Apple. Um, Any podcast system that you subscribe to, we are on there. So go check us out. And have a good one. I will see you next time.
0: Thanks for listening.